Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. And today we're going to be continuing on the theme of gazing. And we've been spending the last couple of episodes on encountering Christ in the scriptures, particularly in Psalm 23. And today we're going to be looking at why the church does what it does together, particularly in the Lord's Supper and baptism. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. I'm going to be real. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the rain today. No. But we have a party tonight, and that's what's keeping me going. Yeah? You got something to look forward to? Yep. That's good. Yep. I've been planning, for those of you who don't know, I've been planning the uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas party that Andrew and I are going to, and I have an activity planned. That's going to blow your mind, Andrew. It's going to be indoors, right? It's, it's completely indoors. Okay. So the rain's irrelevant. Yep. And I want you to know that I had you in mind when I was thinking about this. Yeah? Yep. Uh-oh. I really did. I really did. All right. He's looking at me suspiciously, but I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. Anyway, how are you doing, Andrew? Is it an arm wrestling contest? No. No? I figured that's what you would think of when you think of me. <laughs> okay. Bulging biceps. <laughs> not sure I think about you. And when I, the first thing that I think about when I think about you is not <laughs> biceps. It should be biceps. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. All right. Well, tell us how you're doing. I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, looking forward to diving into the topic. Uh, I think it's important to explore the whole idea of, of you know, what do we do when we gather together? And, and one of the themes that we've been unpacking over several episodes now is that we gather to gaze. We want to see the beauty of Christ. Um, we want to see his beauty in the scriptures and we want to see his beauty each time we gather with other Christians on Sundays or any other day uh, for the sake of, of worshiping Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when, when God calls his, his, his bride, his church together, to come together, we're going to be talking today about two specific things that the church does. Mm-hmm. And um, that is communion or the Lord's Supper and baptism. Mm-hmm. Right? So first, maybe we can talk about the Lord's Supper. Yeah, absolutely. These, um, these are two ways that the church has seen the beauty of Christ when the church is gathered throughout the ages of the church's existence. And yep. we are continuing in a long line of, of faithful men and women who have gathered to worship Jesus in these particular means or in these ways. Yeah, this is, a, this is an act that brings us along in the big story that God has for his church, for his people. Um, it's a way that we get to be a part of church history. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Andrew, you use, uh, you just brought up as we were kind of writing all this down, writing on our outline, you used this word illustration mm-hmm. to be that, that example of, um, or to define the Lord's Supper and baptism. And I really love this word um, it ra- instead of symbol, mm-hmm. which many use today. We still, we still do use that. But could you give me... Uh, just tell me a little bit about the significance behind defining the, these elements as illustrations of the living gospel. 
yeah. living illustrations. Yeah, that's the, that's the phrase we tend to use at the Hallows, that we refer to uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism as living illustrations of the gospel. In part because that's what they are. I mean, illustrations uh, give us pictures. They're, they're pictures of things. An illustration can be given verbally where we're describing a story or a scene to illustrate something or help people see a principle or to see a truth or to see something like that in verbal communication. Illustrations are most commonly uh, sought after in our society with, with comic strips and animated films and illustrations that are drawn so that people can see pictures. And I think at both the table and in the waters of baptism, we're giving uh, living illustrations of the gospel, pictures of what Christ has done for us and what he promises to be to us as we journey through this world and route to the world that is to come. Okay, Andrew, so I'm seeing three aspects of the gospel played illustrated, I want to use that word, when we're partaking in the Lord's Supper together. Mm-hmm. These aspects, I think, are kind of a almost a past, present, future kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. Past, we see Christ's body given for us, his blood shed for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing that, we're remembering him and his sacrifice, his present, Present, I'm seeing his intercession, his interceding for us on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Yeah, I think that one may be the most difficult to for Christians to, to consider. Yeah. Especially if you're a Christian who's raised in traditions that put the emphasis heavily on sim- past symbolism. Like this is symbolic of something that's ent- almost entirely in the past. Mm-hmm. But the language of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 speaks of how we are participating uh, we're, we're communing with Christ in a real dynamic way when we partake of the bread and the cup. And so you have this, uh, so the present element, I think, is a very important one that you're seeing and, and bringing up. And it's one that we we need to bring out more, I think, in our teaching and conversations about the Lord's Supper. Yeah, no, that is really good. And I would be honest that that's not the first place that I, am, that when I'm... Um, when I'm praying through it, that's not the first place that I go. I normally tend to think about just in the physical nature of, of the Lord's Supper. I normally am thinking about the past aspects of, of the work of Christ. Yeah, and I think that's why when when Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and they had some some distorted practices of that, <laughs> distorted experiences with the Lord's Supper. Uh, in their gatherings, people were drinking too much of the wine and they were getting drunk. They were partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And so Paul uh, makes it a point to encourage worshipers to examine themselves before partaking of the bread and the cup. And so the whole idea of self-examination reminds us of, it should call our attention to the present work of Christ at the Father's right hand, that Jesus is right now interceding for his people. And he is advocating for us before the Father. And so, which is why we confess our sins before coming to the table, which is why we take time to think about what's going on in my life right now that I need Jesus for. I need his help with. I need his power to overcome. I need uh, his gospel in my life. And mm-hmm. and so this idea of the, the present work of, or the, the Lord's Supper being a present act, um, it's something that we are actually doing in a given moment in space and time. We are partaking of the bread and partaking of the cup. It's a present activity that should 
invoke in our minds an awareness of Jesus's present activity for us. Right. And so you have the past. Yes, he was crucified for our sins. His blood was shed. He gave his body. But you also have the present activity of what Jesus is doing today. Mm-hmm. He's not dying on the cross. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, he's not being crucified over again. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're doing this in light of, yeah, the past work of Christ on the cross, but also with an awareness of the present work of Christ at the Father's right hand. Yeah, and which is also, I mean, I would just add to the, the significance of prayer in that time, mm-hmm. designating time when you're partaking as a church together, taking time to pray is a way I think that we could remember the present intercession of, of Jesus. So, then there's the future. That was two. That was past, present. We got to make it clean. So, (laughs) future. The future of Christ's return. Yeah. And the reason why why the Lord's Supper illustrates that... Sorry, I've got a cold. So, if I'm talking with a big tongue, that's why. And a stuffed up nose, that's why. But the future dynamic of Christ's return... um, Jesus would tell his disciples to partake of this meal as often as they meet together, or Paul would write that in the book of Corinthians, but in 1 Corinthians, but in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus would talk about how his disciples will share in this meal until he comes. And so there's this willingness for Christians to draw near to Jesus at the table and to do so until he returns. And so that kind of thrusts us forward looking to the future for the day when Jesus comes in and he makes all things new. And suddenly, (laughs) this mustard seed experience of unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine in a cup, this which is a real small experience Mm -hmm. in a moment, that mustard seed is going to explode into the feast of which what is the marriage supper of the lamb yeah when we sit down and we feast with jesus and so you have there's so many imageries there's so many dynamics to it when you think about the nature of the kingdom of god when you think about what we experience now and how it's just a shadow and a foretaste of of something far better in the world that is to come another another example of this would be when you think about resurrection first corinthians 15 not long after paul talks about the lord's supper he will then move into uh, what our glorified bodies will be like. And, he, and, he, and he, there's such a big contrast between the body that I have right now that with biceps that aren't, you know, bulging like <laughs> I would have hoped and giving you... I'm glad you, know, you brought that back. Uh, but, you know, so the, the body I have now that's decaying, um, that is subject to decay, that is subject to disease, that is subject to death, one day this mustard seed body, so to speak, is going to give way to a far different type of body. I'll be the same person, but I will have a glorified body, which will not be subject to those things. And so Paul would use the analogy of an acorn, and or basically it kind of draws the analogy between an acorn and an oak tree. An oak tree is the result of an acorn. And when you look at an acorn, it's really hard to believe that an oak tree came from that. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing when you think about our glorified bodies and the resurrection compared to who we are now and there's an analogy between what we experience at the table, which may seem anticlimactic when you come to the table and you're taking this unleavened bread, the fruit of the vine in a moment, it's all symbolizing these incredible realities, illustrating these wonderful truths about the gospel. But it serves just as kind of an acorn uh, 
it serves them the way an acorn serves an oak tree when you think about the future dimension, that one day this little menial experience that's repeated over and over and over again until Christ returns, it's going to give way to something far more glorious and greater. So I've seen churches, um, particularly of the same tradition, practicing communion differently. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people do it once a month. I've seen some churches do it once every quarter. Mm-hmm. I've seen some churches do like we do once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and some just once a year. Once a year. Yeah. I've never seen that before, but mm-hmm. I have seen, I've seen once a quarter felt like a little too long for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so once a year, <laughs> that would be kind of, that'd probably be a pretty big difference for me personally doing yeah. it one, every week. Yeah, and it boils down to there's freedom on that front. There's freedom for churches to choose whatever what cadence they want to uh, follow as they partake of the Lord's Supper. So yes, I think there's freedom as it relates to the frequency. I also think there's freedom as it relates to the form, and I think this is what you're alluding to in terms of seeing, actually seeing churches partake of the Lord's Supper in different ways. And so the freedom of form, historically, there's basically two uh, ways that churches have observe the Lord's Supper. One, the the technical description of it is called intinction. Intinction, okay. And this is the the one where a lot of churches that partake of the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis, this is the one that they choose. Um, And this is the one where the elements are on a table or there are servers of the elements somewhere in the room and worshipers uh, kind of respond to the call to the table by standing up and moving out of their seat and walking in usually a single file line or maybe in small groups like a family unit or maybe a small group unit they may kind of walk to the table together and and then somebody's there to serve them the elements uh ordinarily somebody is there to serve them the elements and it's a very personal and intimate expression of the lord's supper because traditionally when you practice intention you're you're following a certain uh there's a certain liturgy that you that you say. So the one serving the bread would say something like, this is the body of Christ given for you and serve it to an individual worshiper. The worshiper would receive the element and respond um, in one of two ways. Either they would say, thanks be to God, Mm -hmm. or they'll say, until he comes. Mm -hmm. And the until he comes is just a quote of of Jesus saying, hey, do this until I come again. And uh, that, that type of thing. And so... And then they'll move to the cup, and the person serving the cup will say, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And again, typically worshipers will respond, thanks be to God, or they will respond until he comes. Uh, we, we encourage disciples to use both uh, wherever their heart is in a moment. If they want to think about the coming of Christ, or if they want to express their gratitude um, and say, thanks be to God, which another word for the Lord's Supper is Eucharist, which is the expression. It's to give thanks or to give a good word towards um, a good thanks for what you are partic- what you are um, partaking of and what it represents mm-hmm. and all those all those dynamics. Do you know why people sometimes like to use the word Eucharist as opposed to the Lord's Supper? Is there like a particular reason? I've always wondered. Um, in your experience. I'm not sure entirely, uh, other than some churches want to put the accent on gratitude when it oh. comes to the table. Okay. Um, and it's, just, it's words that certain traditions have latched on, and it's just the word they use. 
Uh, okay. Others refer to it as communion. Others say Holy Communion. Others say the table. Others say the Lord's Supper. Some say, uh, some even refer to it as ordinances or sacraments. And those, those two words have big meanings. And yeah. there's, a, there's always a theological underpinning but behind, uh, underneath the words that we choose to use. Yes. Um, the Eucharist tends to put there the accent on gratitude, but there's a lot more to it that I'm not um, prepared to speak on. Yeah, at this moment. and and the uh, the the ordinances and sacraments, though, too. We're also we're not just talking about the Lord's Supper; we're also talking about baptism mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah. and that's a that's a big addition. But let's go back over to the other side. So we have intinction. We have a, a it's people. Physically, getting up off their seats, taking the the bread, or dipping, dipping it in, it in the yeah. dipping in the juice or the That's wine. That's where the intinction word comes the from. The intinction, they are intincting. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> <laughs> it is what you. I have nowadays words, I have can, words can mean whatever we want them to. So if you want it to mean that, then feel free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now we have the other one, which is some kind of communal partaking together, right? Yeah, yeah. This is less, when we're less, all taken at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the, normally led by the pastor or someone, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the pastor, the the elder, the officiant, um, the worship leader. They Speaking will, of words, I like to say aficionado. Aficionado? That's a good word. It's very Italian, Italian of me. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Are you Italian? As, uh, I don't bit? think so. No. I don't think so. Smith doesn't feel very Italian. <laughs> but you have a mother with a maiden name and a lineage there, it's too. It's true, but I don't think it's there. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah, my last name's Arthur. And so I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and same thing. Arthur doesn't sound too Italian, but there's supposed to be some Italian in my blood somewhere. Uh, but anyways, the, uh, the other way would be the communal. Uh, the, the, where, the, where you're not going to the elements, the elements are going, they're coming to you. Mm. And in this tradition, people are normally seated and the elements are passed and you're taking the cup, you're taking, you're, you're taking a cup with the fruit of the vine in it, you're taking bread, elements are being passed to the congregation. You're not partaking of the Lord's Supper at your own pace. You're partaking of the Lord's Supper in the community of faith together. So it's a beautiful picture of the unity of the church. It's a beautiful reminder of how we are all one in Christ and how there is one faith, one Lord, one baptism. The, the, the oneness of the church is communicated, uh, the one body. Uh, all of that is communicated through this other way of partaking of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I think both, both have significant meaning to them. Mm -hmm. both, ha both have an impact in how we, how we uh, approach the Lord's Supper, and both are good. And it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to be able to um, to share that with other people, to say maybe you partake communally together, and maybe you get up from your seats and you uh, dip the dip the juice and dip the bread mm -hmm. in the juice. You mm -hmm. know, but both are good. Yeah, they're they're both like in our church we practice both. Uh, ordinarily, we do the intention style uh, sporadically over the course of the year. We'll do the communal dynamic because we want to reinforce. Our unity, our oneness in Christ, and recognize that we are all we're all taking from the one bread, one cup, all those elements. And so, on one hand, 
like intinction would illustrate and emphasize, or really better better word, it would accentuate the personal, intimate nature of salvation. This is the body of Christ given for you, Mark. And as a pastor, when I'm serving communion, I like to say the name of the person who's stepping into that moment as a way of hopefully reinforcing to them that Jesus knows their name. And then this is the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins, Mark, and making it very personal, very intimate, uh, fresh reminder and application of the gospel. And then the other side, uh, I like to pass out the elements and we all remind ourselves that we're in this together, that we share the same salvation, uh, that we are one body and just the elements of unity and uh, solidarity as a faith family that 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 particular mode communicates. I mean, they're both so powerful. I think it would serve churches well to, to kind of mix their bag a little bit. Mm, yeah. If I could share something, one of the most impactful or I, let me let me back up maybe say not necessarily impactful let me say the most memorable times that i've taken uh the lord's supper was early earlier in the hallows days when we're in fremont baptist church over in that time i'm walking up and you were passing out uh i think it was the bread and you said for the i've never heard anyone no one's ever said um the body of Christ given for you, Mark. And that hit me like real hard. That that was uh, very meaningful. And it did change the perspective. There was kind of a, a, a renewed um, a renewed reverence for it when you're thinking about it in your name. Yeah. When your name's put into, into the sentence. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It brings some gravity for sure. And so with that, we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper every week to see Christ at the table, uh, whether uh, regardless of mode or frequency, what's most important about the Lord's Supper is that it is uh, partaken in a way that allows worshipers to see Christ in the elements, see Christ in at the table, and uh, so that again, uh, the purpose for our gathering will be served because he reason we gather together as a church is to gaze upon the beauty of Christ and we see his beauty in the scriptures as we've talked about and we see his beauty at the table as we have talked about and next time uh, we're going to talk about how we see his beauty in the water as we have a conversation about baptism.